I don't even get introduced anymore. Wow. <laughs> I'm offended. I don't need that. Um, is Ryan here? Ryan, or is he out? Ryan, come here. Yeah, that Ryan. How many Ryans are here? <laughs> so, um, this is a book I've been flogging, and uh, I didn't write it. I do have a book out there I've written, and I'll show you one in a second. But uh, this is written by Dr. Roger Helen, who's the, um, the uh, director for EFC, Evangelical Fellowship of Canada. He's the prayer coordinator. And uh, he wrote this book. This is his latest book, Pursuing God's Presence. And if there's anything that you need in your life, it's the presence of God. And do the kingdom of God a favor. If the presence of God is not pursued by this congregation, sell the church. It'd make a great pool. <laughs> if we don't have the presence of God, we don't have anything. Now, I think I have maybe five of these here. That's all. Ryan, this is a gift to you because I believe God has something for you, man. And I pray. How old are you? 17. I was 17 back in the, uh, <laughs> that's a previous decade even. I believe that if you seek the presence of God above all things, you'll have everything that you'll need. God bless you. I want us to pray for this man, will you? So stretch out your hand to him. Father, I thank you for Ryan. I thank you, Father, for the call that you have on his heart that he's wrestling with even right now and what that looks like and what it smells like and what to do with it. And I pray, Father, that you would uh, reveal your calling and your direction for his life, that it would be clear and that it would be focused, that he wouldn't be confused, uh, that he wouldn't uh, run around like a crazy 17-year-old, but that he would hear distinctly the word, the prayer, distinctly the word and the direction that you have for him, not what everybody else wants him to do. Who cares what everybody else wants? What's important is what you want. So we speak sensitivity and discernment into Ryan's spirit, into Ryan's heart to receive the direction that you have for him. We thank you for him and we bless him in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, on my table, this is for old people. And, you know, that's okay if you're old. It's good to be old. Um, the three most popular books in Christendom are as follows. Now I'm going to go on a limb and make sure I got them right. Um, Augustine's City of God, uh, Brother Lawrence, Practicing the Presence of God, and Thomas Kempis, 
Imitation for Christ, Imitation of Christ. Those are three most popular books in Christendom history. Um, two of them are on here, and one more, and I can't remember what it was. And this is for old people, and it's for old people because uh, they're simply downloaded from the internet. And if you're young, you know how to you do that yourself. But if you're old and you don't, those three books are on this jump drive, and I'm selling them for ten dollars so that uh, we can eat next week. That's really not true. Um, if you're having trouble knowing what to pray, I do have a couple of prayer books out there. Here's one that I, uh, I self-published, and it has a number of prayers in. Um, let me read one for you so you know what you can get for a mere $10. Like, come on. What's that? That's not even three coffees. Incredible. Is this your usual way of dealing with man, O sovereign Lord? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. I trust in you. You are doing it all. You are in control. Thank you that I don't understand that I'm fragile and unlearned in many things. This keeps me undeniably connected to you. Thank you that my knowledge is limited. This keeps me walking by faith. Thank you that on many occasions, if not all occasions, I'm blind and I can't hear well. This keeps me walking in hope. Hope that your healing will continue to flow, giving me eyes to see and ears to hear. Thank you for my pain and sorrow. That drives me through to your presence. This compels me to seek you. This draws me into your loving arms. Hallelujah. There you go. I think there's only about four or there maybe five of them back there. Well, if you have your phone or that other, you know, the real McCoy, the, the Bible, um, you can find that. And I'll tell you where I'm going to get to is Acts 14 and 15 in the minute. I want to talk about Holy Spirit partnership. The Lord gave me a couple of um, duality things that we struggle with. Um, and if you're on a worship team, you get this, okay? So you get here because you are performing. Like, it's a bad word, but you are. Like, you're all supposed to be on the same song, same key, you know, same words. So you practice because there is a performance segment or mentality to it, right? But the opposite, not really the opposite, but the thing set beside performance is partnership. So I want to talk about Holy Spirit partnership. Next slide. And uh, this, is, this is all you need to remember. So if you've got this, you can leave early. You've had communion, better worship. That's all I'm going to say. Uh, everything else will flesh this out. My goal is to partner with, with the Holy Spirit and fall. My, my, my goal is to partner with the Holy Spirit in 2024. That, that's, what I, that's what I'm planning on doing. That, that's when I look at 24 and you say, so what are you, you going to do this year? Well, this year, I'm going to partner with the Holy Spirit. That's what I want to do. Uh, why don't you say that with me on count of three? One, two, three. My Holy 
little sloppy on the date there, but other than that, it was pretty good. Have you found your phone or your Bible? We're going, first of all, into Acts 14, and then we'll get into Acts 15. We won't read all of Acts 15, but I'm going to walk you through it, so you'll want, you want to have your phone open or your Bible open if you happen to have a Bible here. Okay, here we go. This is Acts 14, 21. I had my wife read this again to me in the car, and... Um, I chuckled over her, um, this, or, or her attempts to read these names and get them straight. So now, because I'm on a platform, she too will chuckle at my attempt. Okay, this is chapter 14, verse 21, the New Living Translation. It's also on the screen there for you. After preaching the good news in Derby. And making many disciples, Paul and Barnabas returned to Lystra, Iconium, and Antioch of Pisidia, uh, where they strengthened the believers. They encouraged them to continue in the faith, reminding them that we must suffer many hardships to enter the kingdom of God, which personally I wouldn't have put that in there, but we'll skip that. Um, Paul and Barnabas also appointed elders in every church with prayer and fasting. They turned the elders over to the care of the Lord in whom they put their trust. Uh, then they traveled back through Pisidia to Pamphylia. They, reached the, uh, they preached the word down in Perga, went to Italia. Uh, finally, they returned by ship to Antioch of Syria, where the journey had begun. The believers there had entrusted them to the grace of God to do the work they had now completed. Verse 27, upon arriving at Antioch, they called the church together, and they reported Everything God had done through them. That's an interesting phrase. They called the church together and reported everything God had done through them. And how he opened the door of faith to the Gentiles too. And they stayed there a long time with the believers. Next slide. If you look back in verse 14, uh, you'll see... Next slide, please. Uh, you'll see these words. Upon arriving uh, at Antioch, they called the church together and reported everything. This is verse 27. It's not, it's not uh, 17. Verse 27. I know what I've done here. I have this in the... NLT, then I'm going to read it in the original Greek, the King James Version. So verse 17, I'm rereading it, or verse 27, I'm rereading it. Upon arriving in the church of Antioch, they called them together, and they reported everything God had done through them. This is the King James, which may be up on the screen. Here you go. And when they were come together, they gathered church together, they rehearsed all that God had done with them and how he had opened the door of faith. So here you've got this word through. It's the Greek word meta, okay? And it's a primary pe uh, preposition. So uh, please be impressed that I know that. <laughs> yeah? um, and it properly denotes... 
accompaniment. It is the idea of associate or companion with. I think that's pretty neat. Okay. So Paul is saying, you know, we've done this, that, and the other thing. We've cruised here. We've done this. We've saved the preached here, saved this guy, healed this guy. And they reported everything that we have done in accompaniment with the Holy Spirit. Okay? Because we are associated with the Holy Spirit. We are companions with the Holy Spirit. Isn't that fascinating? As I think about that, I, I could think about, like, coming up here and playing this. No, it's not on. <laughs> That's too bad, because she could have heard that I know where the C chord is. Um, <laughs> But you'll notice that most people come and they play the piano just by themselves. It would look odd, maybe interesting for that matter, maybe not. It would look interesting if next Sunday two people were standing here. One here and then one here. <laughs> right? Because that's not usually how you think in terms of the piano player, the keyboardist. But this text says something incredibly fascinating that Paul says, you know, we went here, we preached about this, we went here, we uh, healed this lame guy, yeah, we went here, started a revival, appointed elders over here, and I want you to know we were doing this in partnership with the Spirit. It wasn't really us doing it. We are associated with the Spirit. We are, we are in partnership and Holy Spirit is accompanying us or even better. We are accompanying the Holy Spirit as He does His thing. So for instance, I don't know who's preaching next week, but let's say they phone up Thursday and say, oh, I can't come. And uh, who's ever in charge of figuring out who to preach calls uh, this lady down here with a red, red dress. Hey, how's it going, Shirley? <laughs> um, <laughs> we need you to preach next week. Your response would probably be, oh, maybe not. Right? Because you know what? I'm even sick even thinking about it because that's not what I do. And I'm not suggesting... Oh, she does preach. Well, little did I know I was a prophet. Well done. <laughs> well, skip that illustration. Let's go to this side. But we think in terms of, is this something I can do? Well, it's not the question to ask. It's not the question to ask. The question to ask 
is, is this something the Holy Spirit is going to accompany me in doing? That's the question to ask. But we don't ask that question. We ask the question, I'd really move that if I preached your life. I'd ask this question. I'd say, you know, yeah, Holy Spirit, is this something we should do together? That's, that's, for, that's foreign to our thinking. Now, go to chapter 15. Chapter 15, what we have is uh, the council at Jerusalem. How many know chapter 15 very good? May I see your hand? Okay, I'll, I'll do this as quickly as I can, because I said to my wife, some people might not know this, and I'll take as long as they need to. Well, I won't take as long as I need to. <clears throat> okay, here we go. So chapter 15, this is what's going on in chapter 15. Acts chapter 1, verse 8 says this, but you, you shall receive power after that the Holy Spirit's come upon you, and you'll be my witnesses both in Jerusalem, Samaria, and to the and or the uttermost, the original King James, the uttermost parts of the world, right? And so Acts is about how that happens, how it starts in Jerusalem, goes to Samaria, and then starts going to the uttermost parts of the world. But there's a problem that happens here. And here's the problem. In Acts chapter 2, we have the day of Pentecost. And in Acts chapter 2, you have a room full of people who are Jewish because all initial Christians were Jews. They came out of Judaism. If they didn't, they came out of some form of Judaism, and basically there was two forms of Judaism. Uh, Judaism, number one, if you were born a Jew. Uh, uh, Jew, number two, would be called um, Gentile proselytes. So these are Gentiles that became Jews because they wanted to follow Yahweh. So the Holy Spirit comes and starts getting poured out. Run to chapter 10 really quick with me. In chapter 10 of Acts, this is what happens. Uh, Peter is, um, is hungry. He's waiting for lunch. He's uh, waiting. He's praying. And as he's having this prayer, the sheet drops down. Remember this? And all the sheet, uh, the sheep drops, the sh sheet drops down, not the sheep. The sheet drops down. And on the sheet, there's, there, there is the Baconator. Um, and uh, this, this Baconator is there. And uh, the Lord says, rise and eat. And Peter says, I've never touched an unclean thing. Because if you're a Jew, you don't eat bacon. That's one reason why you should never be a Jew. Um, and uh, as, uh, as this discussion goes back and forth, God says this to Peter. Don't call unclean, what I call clean. Next chapter, or the same chapter, chapter 10, he ends up in the house of Cornelius, and Cor Cornelius is a what? Anybody know? He, he's a Gentile, right? And uh, so Peter comes into the house, and he's thinking, this is not going well, because you're not supposed to go into a, a Gentile's house, much less fellowship with them. And he gets in there, and he's, he starts preaching to this 
room full of Gentiles. And as he starts preaching in this room full of Gentiles, the Bible tells him, right as in the middle of the sermon, don't just in the middle of my sermon, please. In the middle of the sermon, they all started prophesying and praying in tongues. And he's thinking, this is not going well. Right? Because it's a parallel event from what happens in Acts chapter 2. Day of Pentecost, all the nice Jewish people were all gathered together. They were probably at the temple at this juncture uh, at the hour of prayer. It's 3 o'clock or 9 o'clock in the morning. Spirit of God falls. The Spirit of God falls. They all start praying in tongues. So now the same thing happens in chapter 10. Only the problem is for Gentiles. Like, ooh. Gentiles. And so when you get to chapter 15, this has all come to a head. The Jewish people say, listen, if these Gentile people want to become Christians, they need to be Jews well. They need to stop going to McDonald's and eating Baconators. And they need to smarten up and follow all the Old Testament laws. And that's what the discussion is. But I want you to note something here with me. As this discussion starts to happen, look with me in verse number 4. Acts 15, verse number 4. No, yeah, 15.4. When they arrived in Jerusalem, Barnabas and Paul were welcomed by the whole church, including the apostles and elders, and they reported everything that God had done through them. Meta. Again, they're saying, listen, you people, we've been trucking around the countryside, and we've been touching Gentile people. They've been getting saved. They've been getting filled with the Spirit. They've been getting healed. We've planted churches all over the place, and they're all Gentiles because the Jews wouldn't cooperate. So you guys need to be careful how you make this decision. And this is what happens. They have this they have this bantering back and forth, back and forth. They're trying to figure out what to do. Peter stands up, and Peter tells the story that I, that I told you. And then James, the pastor of the church at... Uh, <laughs> there's a lot of stuff. I'll fall out of here. <laughs> a church, church in... Uh, in Jer- Does everybody wander around like me when they preach? Obviously not, because you'd have a bigger platform. You wouldn't have this stuff here. Um, uh, James stands up. So James is Jesus' natural brother. He's the pastor of the church and, uh, in Jerusalem, and he stands up and he says, listen, this is a fulfillment of what is spoken of in the book of Amos, verse 16, 17, and 18. And I will return and will restore the fallen house of David. I will rebuild its ruins and restore it so that the rest of humanity might seek the Lord, including the Gentiles, all those I have called to be mine. The Lord has spoken, who has made these things known for so long. So then he makes this statement. This is in verse 19, 20, and 21. I won't read it. You can read it at home this afternoon instead of playing sports because it's bad to play sports on Sunday. We don't know why, but it is. Um, He says, listen, this is what we want you to do. We need you to be sexually pure, We need to stop uh, 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 eating meat that's been used in idol worship. And um, let's leave it at that. Let's just do those two things. So 
Then they decide they're going to write a letter. They're going to send this letter out to all the churches. So everybody is on the same page. So in verse 25, he writes the letter. Ready for this? This is, this is it, folks. This is it. This is the letter. This is the letter from the apostles, the elders. This is verse 23. Your brothers in Jerusalem. Uh, it is written to the uh, Gentile believers in Antioch, Syria, Cilicia, greetings. Verse 24. We understand that there's some people, some men, that have troubled you and upset you with their teachings. Uh, but we didn't send them, FYI. <laughs> Verse 25. We, so we decided, um, having come to complete agreement, to send you official representatives along with our beloved Barnabas and, and Paul who have risked their lives in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. We are sending Judas and Silas to confirm that what we have decided concerning your question. Now, verse number 38, this is it. Underline this. Verse 28, underline it. It's hard to do on your phone, but all you young, young people will know how to do that. It seemed good to the Holy Spirit and us. That's fascinating. That's fascinating. It seemed good to the Holy Spirit and us to lay no greater burdens on you than these things. Next slide, please. Partnering with the Holy Spirit. We, we saw this in the, uh, in the upper portions of the story and in the chapter 14. The meta. This is what the Holy Spirit has done through us. And then we've got this marvelous statement here. It seemed good to the Holy Spirit and us. Isn't that interesting? I'll ask the question, nobody else's. How does Meadowbrook make decisions? How do you make family decisions? What does he mean here? It seemed good to us and the Holy Spirit. What's that mean? Next slide, please. Next slide, please. Oh, okay. Acts chapter 2, verse 4, says this. Uh, we're in the New King James Version. Here we go. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. So at, this is what this means. At that particular juncture, again, I think they're probably at the temple, they're all filled with the Holy Spirit. The sign that they were filled with the Holy Spirit is they all began to speak in other tongues. 
Okay? Now, this, it means this. To cause to be completely full. Fill. Fulfill. Completely full. You know, Christmas dinner. First round. Does anybody want some more? Second round. Does anybody want some more? Somewhere along the line, you should have said this. No thanks. Like, I am full. I am full. So in Acts chapter 2, verse 4, they're full. And full means full. No hidden meaning. It means not empty. It means full. Now, when you go to chapter 4, a lot of stuff happens in between I don't have time to talk about. Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, rulers of the people and elders. Let me tell you what that means. What that means there is, is, is at that particular juncture, Peter was, and I'll use this terminology, refilled with the Spirit. It's not a hangover from two days before, four days before, but at that particular juncture, it's talking about this spontaneous infilling of the spirit that enables you to do exploits you could not normally do. And even as Mennonites, that's good news. Come on, help me. Yeah, right? That's good news, even as men. Right, 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 yeah, yeah. So this is, a, this is a favorite statement of Dr. Luke's, okay? It has to do with the present state of the people we're in. At that moment, at that moment, Peter stands, and then he was filled with the Spirit, and he spoke the words that the Spirit gave him. Why? Because he's in partnership with the Holy Spirit. Next slide, please. Remember this, you old people? <laughs> you had this knob on the front of the radio and you would turn it and that's how you would change frequencies. Now you just go up to your uh, stare and say, hey, play me 98.5. Right? But back then, you'd have to dial it in. I had a shortwave radio. It had a big dial, and then it had another dial around it. And the big dial was for fine-tuning. So you go, zoop, 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 and you get it, and, you get it, and then you get the fine-tuning. This is coming right to you from Moscow, right? <laughs> we need, as people of God, to learn to dial in to the Spirit's wavelength. <laughs> we need to learn to dial in to the Spirit's wavelength. Where he is, what he's saying, how he's saying it, 
what he wants us to do, how he wants us to respond. You know, when you read the book of Acts, you tend to think that the book of Acts is about Holy Spirit superstars. Come on, right? You read that and you go, oh, yeah, that guy's a superstar. Uh, that guy's fabulously terrific. He's awesome. He's a supercalifragilisticexpialidocious kind of Holy Ghost guy, right? He's the quintessential guy. That's why he's in the book of Acts. That's not what the book of Acts is about. The book of Acts is about normal Joel blows like you and me who are listening, obeying, seeking the Holy Spirit so that we can say when we come out of a deacon's meeting, it seemed good to us and the Holy Spirit that we should have green rug, not blue, so we don't care what you think. <laughs> think of how much less fighting there would be. The book of Acts is about normal Joe people. Uh, a prof, a, 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 um, a writer who's now gone to be with the Lord, one of the uh, stalwarts in the Pentecostal movement, his name was um, Roger Stronstad. He wrote a book, and I, I lent it out the other day, and it's called this, The Prophethood of All Believers. So when I preach this, and I, I won't get into it because I'm, Whew, I'm running out of time. God has no standards. He will use anybody. God has no standards. He will partner with anybody. You know, some of you, you're thinking, well, God, God would use name. God will use Chapin. Like, look at a sharp-looking guy. You know? <laughs> right? But, but he's really talented. I'm not. And we think that we can't do something for God. But I, I promise you, God has absolutely no standards. He will use anybody. Because God believes in the prophethood of all believers. Because the book of Acts is about normal, everyday people partnering with the Holy Spirit. Next slide. My goal is to partner with Holy Spirit 2024. That's what I want to happen. That's what I want in 2024. I want to partner with the Holy Spirit. Next slide. I'm going to show you how to do this really quick because I'm running out of time. Okay? This is how you and God intersect. This is how you and God intersect. This is the intersection between you and God. Present, presence, holiness, and prayer. I may preach on this next time I come, unless you don't invite me back after this one. Who knows? <laughs> Next time I want to get, I want to be, you know, introduced. That's the word. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. The, this is the connection between you and God. Presence, prayer, and holiness. So here it is, folks. If you want to hear Holy Spirit, if you want to partner with Holy Spirit, that's what you need to do. You need those three, think, three center things. You need prayer, you need presence, and you need holiness. We are, content with, we are content with too little of God. 
We're happy with too little of God. We're happy with having just a little bit instead of that passionate, I want more. In my work in, in spiritual direction, I, I have this um, self-assessment that I help people with. And uh, you can score, I don't know, in the 150s, or you can score nothing. If you're scoring nothing, you're not doing well. Uh, <laughs> and I always ask people this question. You ask this in your head. Scale to 1 to 10. You come up with a number. You don't have to say it out loud. You come up with a number. Scale to 1 to 10. My intimacy level with Jesus. How well do I know Jesus? How often is I, how often is I, how often am I talking to him? Um, how much do I hear him? Scale to 1 to 10. Rate your intimacy level with Jesus. How well do you know Jesus? And that will tell you something about that. Okay, ladies, what's that middle color? That will tell you your teal color. <laughs> How much presence, holiness, and prayer. That, that, will, that will show you how you're, how you're connecting with God and the possibilities you have of meta, partnering with God. Okay, Holy Spirit, what do you want to do today? You got time for one quick story, then I'll quit. Uh, one of the heads of Alpha was traveling um, back from Toronto. She lives in Vancouver. I'm sorry, I forget her name. But then again, she doesn't know mine either. So. Uh, she, she had a really busy weekend, and she got on the plane, and she sat herself down, and she wants everybody to leave her alone. You know, one of those days, she sits down. There's a... a a Middle Eastern gentleman that's sitting beside her. And they exchange pleasantries and she's giving short responses because she wants to sleep. And he says to her, I can tell you're really tired, but may I ask you one question before you go to sleep? And she said, absolutely ask me one question. He said, I woke up this morning. I heard a voice say to me, 316. I've been asking everybody all day, what's 316? What's 316? What's 316? And nobody knows what's, what 316 is. Do you know what 316 is? <laughs> well, as a matter of fact, I do know what 316 is. It's an off-quoted scripture out of the book of John in the Bible. And it's this. She quoted the scripture. She taught Jesus from Toronto to Vancouver. And she looked at us and she said this. And I've never forgot it. And I try to pray it every day. Lord, 
I want in on the conversations that you're having today. So if you're having it, you're already having a conversation with this lady who's checking me out for my groceries, which I'm thankful I've never done in my life. But anyways, um, if you're having a conversation with Susie at the register, I want in on it. Well, that's a horse of a different color then. Oh, well. Oh, do you know the horse skirts a lot? <laughs> Which generally doesn't work really well. Just in passing. <laughs> I want in on the conversation, Holy Spirit, that you're already having with people. Holy Spirit, what are we going to do today? Holy Spirit, who are we going to pray for today? Holy Spirit, who are we going to bake muffins for today? Holy Spirit, what are we going to read today? Holy Spirit, what are we going to pray about today? Partnership with the Spirit. And you turn Meadowbrooks into the book of Acts. One more. My goal, my goal is to partner with the Holy Spirit in 2024. Holy Spirit, what are we going to do today? Holy Spirit, what are we going to sing today? My goal is to partner with Holy Spirit. Lord, forgive us For, well, forgive us for not even thinking about this. <laughs> wow. Forgive us for just kind of going through life and not even thinking about this. Crazy. And Lord, forgive us for thinking, that's what the new pastor better be up to. Yeah, yeah, that's good. That's good for... Tom, that's good for Bob, that's good for Susie, but, you know, I, I don't know I need that. So forgive us, Lord, for, for thinking we can pull something off ourselves when in reality we cannot do anything without you. And so, Holy Spirit, we are here. We want to stand. Stand. We want to lift our hands. We lift our hands. We're going to say, Holy Spirit, I want to partner with what you're up to. Holy Spirit, I want to do what you're doing. Holy Spirit, I want to speak what you want me to speak. Holy Spirit, I want to act in a fashion that you want me to act. Holy Spirit, I want to catch the wave of the Spirit. Holy Spirit, I, I want to tune in to your wavelength. Holy Spirit, I want to hoist the sail and I want to catch the wind of the Spirit and what the Spirit is saying and what the Spirit is doing. I want to associate with the Holy Spirit. Even to the degree that I get mixed up and I'm meeting a friend and I say to them, oh, have you met my friend? Oh, oh you can't see Holy Spirit, can you? Well, yeah, he's here too with me. <laughs> so Holy Spirit, please come. We're surrendering afresh to you. If I may, I surrender Meadowbrooks afresh to you in the name of Jesus. Surrendering this 
this, this building, surrendering this ministry, surrendering this worship team, surrendering the focus of this place, surrendering to you, Holy Spirit, and what you want to do, and how you want to do it, and when you want to do it, and we're content to wait for you, Holy Spirit. Yes. Hallelujah. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. So just wait for a moment. I want you to just wait, tune your ear to the Holy Spirit and see what the Holy Spirit wants to say to you. See, listen, just listen. Listen to what the Holy Spirit's going to say to you. sensitive spirit. I bless you with eyes to see what the Holy Spirit sees. I bless you with ears to hear what Holy Spirit is saying. I bless you with a discerning spirit to hear Holy Spirit's voice, to respond to him, to, to obey him, to walk in his presence, to associate yourself. I bless you in Jesus' name.